Welcome to Storytime with the Intimacy Ally. Each episode will tear down a myth, kick a social norm in the beanbag, gut punch a sex ed untruth, or destroy a poorly constructed relationship expectation. Get ready to unlearn all the crap you accepted as fact. Strap in for a mind-blowing revision on what sex is and what it can do. Prepare yourself for a whole new thought pattern when it comes to modern relationships. And now, here's your host, Jenny Simus, the Intimacy Ally, Relationship Expert and Certified Sex and Intimacy Coach. Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to Storytime with the Intimacy Ally. It's me, Jenny Simus, and I have a celebration notice. Uh, I entered in this pitch off with my new group coaching program, uh, Making Online Dating Magical, and I fucking won. Yeah. So it was through the business school of Shaw, the Sexual Health Alliance, the place that I got my sexual wellness coaching certification through. And yeah, I fucking won. And it was really cool because I was up against some people who have amazing fucking ideas. And I can't wait to see what the hell all of them do. Um, And it was in front of Dr. David Lay, who you might remember from being on the podcast, uh, who is an author and a counselor and a researcher. He like does all the things. He's got a PhD. Um, And then there's Dr. Chris Donahue. Um, You probably would know him most famously as the host when they rebooted Loveline. Uh, That's where I found out about him before I started to get to go to conferences through Shaw where he was speaking, which were uh, fucking amazing. Um, And then the third judge was Jet Setting Jasmine. And she is just one of the coolest fucking people to me because not only does she have an LCSWC, which some of you might remember from a few episodes ago, I went back to school and I'm pursuing my MSW, which is a master's in social work. So like what she has is like five years in the future of what I might be able to do. Um, Anyway, and beyond that, she is also a producer and a star of her own porn in royal fetish films. So super duper cool, like sexuality celebrities. And I got to talk in front of them and I got to pitch my idea in front of them. And it was like this kind of like sexual shark tank is what one of my uh, fellow business school students called it, which I thought was spot on. And I wonder if they're going to call it that next year. Uh, But yeah, I I won the fucker and I'm super excited and I hope it's getting y'all excited. Get out there and tell your lady friends, whether they are, you know, female identifying, whether they are, have always been female, like since birth, what have you. Um, go ahead, tell them, tell them, tell them they need to check out the Intimacy Ally and they need to go look at making online dating magical because it's going to start in April and it's a group coaching program. And I'm only taking 10 ladies because I want to make sure that I'm actually giving y'all the attention that you deserve so we can get through this material, get you some, you know, hopefully much improved, fun, magical results when it comes to dating online. All right. Enough of that plug. 
Um, I'm just like really still riding this high because it just happened two days ago. So Um, what I want to get to talking about today is the myth that quote unquote ugly girls um, should be thankful for crumbs and scraps when it comes to relationships. Oh, honey llama. Let me tell you, I was that girl. Oh, I was that girl. I was that girl all day long. Uh, A lot of that girl, she's still in me. It's okay. It's okay. I walk back and I give her a hug sometimes because now I am in a place where I don't let or I don't allow that messaging to hit the way that it used to. But for years, it did. And for years, it affected what I thought I fucking deserved when it came to, you know, relationships. I got to put some chappy on. You know how I am. As soon as I start talking to y'all, my lips just get dried out. Dang it. I'm like the chapstick queen. I don't know about y'all. So where does this idea come from? Well, you know what we do here. We like to talk about how society and the patriarchal agendas have fucked a lot of us up. (laughs) Um, Fucking beauty standards are ridiculous. Women are expected to have babies, uh, go through hormonal changes without having hormone replacement therapy that's like covered by insurance, um, go through taking care of their families, their parents, possibly siblings, significant others, always kind of putting themselves on the back burner, yet still trying to maintain beauty standards compared to photoshopped pictures of not exactly human women, right? Am I am I following here? Uh, I feel like I am. So the fucked up beauty standards are number one. They are fed by several different industries working together because they want your money, right? And I'll be all, they want your money. So we've got the food industry. Uh, totally pushing you to always be counting calories, always be blaming yourself if you eat things that would lead to you gaining weight, Um, or to always be buying things that say organic or grass-fed or, uh, you know, totally natural. And they're tricksy as fuck. I'll let you know that. Um, We are eventually going to have a a couple of my friends, uh, one who is a naturopathic doctor and one who is a nutritionist who does not work within the healthcare system. Um, We're going to have them on as guests because I feel like those women would explain this whole part a whole lot better. But basically, the food industry, the lobbying that happens in the food industry, they want to keep you sick. They want you to be sick. If you are sick, then we can move to the diet industry, right? And the medical industry. So there's the diet industry. And I fell victim to this time after time. 
Uh, I was in Weight Watchers probably six times since I was 18 years old. Um, I started getting the signaling that being fat was not good when I was very young. And I feel like my dad was from a very different era. My dad was 59 when I was born. So he was born in like the 20s. He was like a teen and a young 20s in like 1935, 1940, right? So thinking about that and thinking about the attitudes and the difference in societal norms, uh, let's say he was like 2030, okay? So like 40s to 50s, 40, 1940s to 1950s. So I, I get that he got very different messaging. But when I was a little girl and I started to get pudgy, he told me girls who eat sweets grow up to need two seats. And it fucked with my head so bad. It totally fucked with my head. So for a long time, starting in, you know, at like 10 years old, I started to really pay attention to what I was eating. And I started eating all of those like snack wells and, you know, low fat, low fat. Everything was low fat. And it's like Froyo is better than ice cream. Low fat, low fat, low fat. Well, what they didn't tell us then was that all that low fat, low fat, low fat meant that it was injected with sugar, 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 because if you take the fat out of things, they taste like fucking cardboard unless you boost them with a bunch of sugar. This is how a lot of women who are around my age, which is 43, ended up getting diabetes pretty fucking young, right? Because we were told by someone we loved and respected who was probably trying real hard to look out for our well-being and just didn't want us to get sick, that we were getting fat. I remember being in like seventh grade and having girls pass out next to me because they were not eating, because they felt like they needed to be a certain weight and that if they weren't, they were not worthy to be. Let's get out of just talking about oh, we should be thankful for the crumbs and scraps. Like this is beyond, you know, oh, I'm not worthy of a good relationship. No, I'm just, I'm just not like worthy to exist if I don't look a certain way. Then there's the medical industry. Uh, the medical industry is totally pushing for you to be skinny, skinny, skinny. Um, not accounting for the amount of people who eat like garbage and then exercise themselves to death uh, or who eat like garbage and just don't have the metabolic predisposition to gain weight from it. So they are super skinny fat. Uh, basically, they are skinny and metabolically, they're 90 fucking years old. Um, but as long as you are thin, you are fine. I remember reading a story recently, and I'll have to track it down, um, about a woman who was denied getting anesthesia for a surgery that could really help improve her life for a problem she was having, pain issue. And the hospital said they couldn't do it because of her weight. Right across the hall, they have the gastro surgery 
area. She went over there and they said, oh, yeah, we can totally knock you out to put a sleeve on. So you get where I'm going with this? The medical industry is totally willing to give you a surgery that doesn't really have a high rate of actually working um, to make you skinny and to give you anesthesia for that. But it's dangerous if you were to get anesthesia at your weight for anything else. Yeah. So fat shaming is like a whole thing in all of these industries. Um, one of my favorite recommendations when I'm thinking about fat shaming or accepting your body uh, or loving yourself at any weight, uh, one of my favorite things to tell women who I work with is like, we got to learn to give you sass with any size ass. Um, one of the things that rings true in my mind is that you know, they're, they're just not understanding the damage that they're doing by equating fatness with illness. All right. Got a little off subject there. Sometimes I do that. It's fine. Um, the negative messaging, it starts with your parents, right? Or it starts with a family member or it starts with a friend when you're really little and it branches out from there. And then it builds and builds and it's, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere you see. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. My bad. Um, if you are struggling with these things, I highly recommend you read The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. She is fucking amazing. And I will put a link to her IG and the book in the show notes today. Um, but she talks about how all of these industries and our history and our culture do this. And it's, it's fucked up, but it's even harsher if you're a BIPOC chick. I'll just let you know that right now. Um, I had some weird ideas about that. I thought that, you know, my black friends and my Latina friends had it easier because there's, in my mind, like all of these media representations of, you know, bigger black women, bigger Latina chicks getting it, you know, like really hitting it. And the guys just loving that, right? No, no, apparently they have it. They have it hard too. Motherfucker. Like there's nowhere that, that we're getting the, uh, the love that we rightfully deserve. God damn it. Um, so there's that whole notion of uh, on the other side for men, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. I'm going to have to look up the name of the fucking group that sings that. I just know that I heard it a lot uh, at the diner I used to hang out in. And it really got in there like, oh, yeah, this is my purpose in life, right? I'm an ugly chick. So I'm supposed to be funny. Uh, I'm supposed to be obedient. And I am supposed to accept what I can get. That's the big one. If you are a quote unquote attractive woman, if you are a woman who has experienced privilege based on your looks, 
It's very hard to explain this. It really is. Um, I wish that some of those movies where you can like switch bodies with somebody were like accurate. I remember, um, I remember Tyra Banks uh, at one point on her show going around to places in like a fat suit and just being like, oh my God, I never knew that it was like this for people who are not attractive and are overweight. I mean, really, like the fat suit itself was just so fucking horrible. I I have I have questions. And I wonder if people were just avoiding her because they were like, what the fuck is going on? And like that you could see that there was a camera crew nearby. I don't fucking know. Um but it is interesting to think about it. Um wondering if you could have somebody feel this, feel this exclusion that happens or how, you know, a lot of women who are traditionally attractive probably would not understand what it means that you have to accept scraps, right? But wrong. I know it's so sneaky because they've got their shit too. Somebody said some mean shit to them too. That's why you got these beautiful women who end up getting hit, who end up getting cheated on, who end up getting abused verbally. Yeah, you know, they're having it happen too. The point that I'm trying to make with this argument, though, is about the ugly girls getting scraps, right? And that it's something that we're programmed for. Now, I I did do a little bit of research for this one and I went on girlsaskguys.com um and there was a question of why do guys or why do ugly guys always think they deserve a 10 out of 10 and the responses you know they range from they don't and uh no you know I always thought I I just got a 3 out of 10 or you know the cocky because we can um, it put me to mind of that Sex in the City episode where the guy who's pretty average looking talks about how he only dates models. Now, this sticks out in my mind because he ran himself ragged and he wouldn't accept dating someone because of their not having like, you know, model level attractiveness. Put me to mind of a discussion I had with my best friend when my marriage was ending. Now, my ex made no secret about how he liked looking at other chicks way more than me. Um, we were not polyamorous. We were not in an open relationship. He just really liked to tell me how not attractive I was. Um, should have been a screaming red flag, but I grew up thinking, well, this is how it is. I'm weird looking. So, you know, got to keep that in mind. Don't shoot too high, girl. Ugh, God damn it. I want to go back and bop her on the head, but at the same time, I just give her a hug. I just give her a hug. She didn't know better. It's okay. She didn't know better. 
Um, so this conversation that I had with my best friend who happens to be a penis ever, um, he explained to me something that I had not thought about. And I don't want to feel sorry for dudes about this conversation or about this topic, but I kind of do. So he explained that since he was 10 years old, he's been programmed to want the girl on the side of the beer truck. Nothing less than the girl on the side of the beer truck is what you should aspire to. And it doesn't necessarily matter in this messaging that boys get if there is substance or if there is connection or if there is interest. No. None of that matters as much as what she looks like. So take that in a second. So they are getting that messaging at the same time that we, and I said, okay, so you're getting that messaging when you're a little kid. And I'd say probably starting at about six, seven years old. I've been getting the programming, I've been getting the messaging that I have to believe that I am worth less, not worthless, but worth less than someone who does resemble the girl on the side of the beer truck, right? So we're all getting this faulty fucking programming and we perpetuate it. And we accept it. And that's where I want to say, fuck that. You know, I want to jump in there and I want to be like, no, don't you take that. Don't you fucking accept that. Right. And don't you teach that. If you're a dad and you got a little kid now, don't go fucking breaking your neck, staring at every fucking hot mamacita that walks by. No, 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 no. Have respect for the woman that you had that child with. Don't break your neck looking at other women. Teach your little boy that there are more important things than how somebody looks that you should be thinking about when you're going to find somebody you want to spend time with, especially if you want to spend the rest of your life with them, right? Don't get so wrapped up putting pretty on a pedestal. And for the girls, teach them that they don't have to look a certain way to deserve love and respect and honor. If you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're an older brother, if you're the older cousin who gives advice, you know, and you got somebody who's obviously in pain because they look around them and they just see everyone as more attractive and therefore more worthy. And therefore, you know, they can't have expectations. They feel like they should just, they should just, they should just accept whatever fucking comes their way because it might be the only thing, right? Because they're so, they're so out, they're so far away from what the expectation is, which is unattainable, 
by the way. You know, the women that you see in magazines and that woman on the side of the beer truck, she doesn't fucking exist. I'm not saying that there are not beautiful, tall, big boobed, long leg, clickety clack ladies around. You know, like I know them. I know them. I know very, very beautiful women. What I'm saying is what you're seeing on the side of the beer truck has generally been in some way, shape or form altered. And it's fucking up little boys' heads, and it's fucking up little girls' heads, and it's fucking up everybody on the spectrum in between, and we're all just trying to do our best and find connection and find love. So we just need to make it a little less hard, right? And not give these, not give these ugh, expectations that. If you are not model fucking gorgeous, you should put up with a bunch of bullshit. Whether that's someone being mean to you, whether that's somebody physically hurting you, whether that's somebody taking advantage of you. No, no, stop. Stop accepting that messaging. And let's stop perpetuating that messaging and let's start that by teaching younger people the worth of human beings separate from attractiveness. I would love to hear what anyone has to say about this. Go ahead. Light me up. Shoot me with the comments. Shoot me with the messages. Um. I am going to try to get a special bonus episode out uh, possibly this weekend because this will be episode 25. Yay! Good for us. We made it. Woohoo! Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you real quick that if you are single, identify as a woman, you're over 40, for the love of Pete, go to my website. Look up Making Online Dating Magical. Hit your email, hit your name, subscribe, and get on the wait list because I am keeping this small. This group coaching program is going to be small. Um, so go ahead and do that. It starts April 8th. Um, and the sign up page, I will put a link in the show notes. Finally, last thing, last little housekeeping note here. If you have been listening to the previous 24 episodes, you know that I have struggled so fucking hard trying to figure out how to end the episodes. And you know me, I'm a little witchy. I believe in manifesting the power of abundance, scarcity mindset, blah, blah. Um, I don't poo-poo the woo-woo as it is. And I sat down, I did a card spread, I looked up some things and just tried to center and focus my mind. And then this tagline hit me like a fucking freight train. So this is it. So I want to thank you for tuning in today. I want you to join me again next week for story time with the Intimacy Ally. 
where we, here's the tagline, where we say fuck no to the status quo. All right, my lovelies. Thank you for tuning in to Storytime with the Intimacy Ally. We hope you learned a bit more about putting the fire back in your romantic relationships, exploring communication and emotional readiness in all relationships, and how to expand your definition of intimacy so you can reach your relationship goals. Go to theintimacyally.com to subscribe and never miss an episode. Follow the links in the show notes to social media and events. Till next time, keep on learning, growing, and thinking. Storytime with the Intimacy Ally podcast is meant for education educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as health or mental health advice.